We're so glad that you are here, and we love the Lord, and we see ourselves as family, and we care about each other, and it is good to worship with family, and so we invite you to be a part of this family as we worship the Lord each and every week. I just appreciate Justin so much for covering the last couple of weeks so I could go off and do my half Ironman, which I did, and I succeeded, so I was excited about that. Uh, I'll tell you how God worked in that near the end and try to tie it all together in this message that I feel like is really so important to get to live at peace, and God is so sovereign in His timing of all things in our lives. And I think sovereign to such a degree that we really don't understand it or we don't accept it or we don't embrace it and therefore we really miss out on resting in the Lord and we find ourselves resisting the Lord. And the Lord wants us to rest in Him. He doesn't want us to resist Him. And so in this series, Blessed, we're looking at the Beatitudes. And they are dispositions that we have towards God. The first was, Blessed are the poor in spirit. And we talked about the idea of understanding poverty of spirit was to understand that when we stand before God, without the blood of Jesus Christ, we are empty, void, and spiritually bankrupt. We have nothing to bring to God. And then in part two, blessed are those who mourn. Justin covered the idea that we mourn over our sin We mourn over the sin that blankets this world and those that don't love God. There is a a mourning because we know what God desires and yet we see in our lives everything so often that God doesn't want from us. It's the same idea of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7 when he writes, the things that I want to do for God I don't do. But the things that I shouldn't do, that I don't want to have no part of my life, those I keep on doing. It's We we have this tension between flesh and spirit. Well, today there is this, in many ways, to many people, a very obscure beatitude. Blessed are the meek. 
for they will inherit the earth. What does that mean? What does it really mean? And that's what I want us to spend time on this morning. You see, really and truly, the question that we've got to be asking ourselves as we go through the Beatitudes is, what does these teachings have to do with God? What does it have to do with God to be poor spirit? What does it have to do if we have an outlook of mourning over the sinful darkness that we see in the world? What does it even mean to be meek? What does it mean that the meek will inherit the earth? What does it mean in relationship to God? And later at the end of the Beatitudes, we find out what it means to God for us. In the same way, let your light shine before others through these beatitudes that they may see your good deeds, your life that God has called you to, and what? And glorify your Father in heaven. Yes, it is a blessing when we embrace these spiritual attitudes in our lives. And the word blessed means God's hand of favor is upon you. His arm is around you. And that gives you that picture of His favor, His protection, His love, your closeness to Him. But ultimately, it comes down in verse 16 to God working in our lives to make us stand out in this world not for our own glory, but for the glory of the Father in heaven. And everything that we do in life should be viewed through those lenses that what I am about is bringing glory to my Father. So I want us to hold on to that. But this beatitude, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. What does it mean? Well, this text is verbatim in Psalm 37, verse 11. And we're going to get to it. And I am just absolutely sure, as most scholars are, that when Jesus quoted this beatitude during the Sermon on the Mount, as those people were listening to Him, that He had Psalm 37 in mind. And Psalm 37 will define for us what meekness is is and what meekness is not. And there is your part in deciding with the Lord's help and strength to surrender to a life of meekness. So let's look at Psalm 37 together. We'll start at verse 1. 
This is what David writes in Psalm 37. Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. First, this idea of don't fret is much stronger than don't worry. We use fret today as don't worry, don't be eaten up by something. The word fret here in Hebrew means don't be angry. Don't let a fire be kindled in your spirit that is one of anger. Don't be angry as you look at all the evil around you. And so, you know, in our lives and and we see in this world a lot of evil, it's easy to feel like we've got license to fret. We've got license to be angry about it. But David... Speaking for God says, don't become angry and let the fire rage in your spirit because of those who are evil. And then he says, don't be envious of those who do wrong. And in the context, those who are doing wrong in this world are hurting others. They're getting ahead of others. And then he simply says, They won't last forever. Their time will come to an end. But you, you find yourself in that place where you're trusting the Lord. And you find yourself surrendered to Him. And you do good. You do what you know He wants you to do. Strive to have poverty of spirit. Strive to mourn for what you see in the world. But don't become angry over it. And strive to be meek. And he continues to develop five things here that meekness is not that we're going to come to in just a moment. But verse 4, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication Like the noonday sun. So don't fret. Don't be envious. Trust in the Lord. Delight in the Lord. Let the Lord in His time bring vindication into your life. So what are five things that meekness is not? Especially if we want to be meek people. First, meekness is void of anger. Do not fret. If you look in your life, your Christian life, and you find that you are an angry person, no matter what the reason may be, that is not meekness. Now, there are times. 
that there is righteous anger, righteous indignation. But, but that's a very slim thing in our lives. But in general, if you look at your life and you find yourself just angry on the edge of explosion, if you're out of control with the things that you say and the things that you do, that's not meekness. I shared in our class this morning, Loosening Your Grip. Uh, it's a great adult Bible class on letting go and living in true security. If you're not coming to a Bible class, we encourage you to come over to the Student Ministry Center at 9.30 and be a part of that class. I'm telling you, you will be blessed. It's a rotation of four different teachers, and I think and believe that you truly will be encouraged by it. But I talked about this one guy that I knew. His name was Sean. This was over 20 years ago, basically. Maybe between 15 and 20. But we were at a softball game with the church. And uh, he was up to bat, and the pitcher pitched the softball. And the umpire called it a strike. And that was his third strike. And he erupted thinking that wasn't a strike. And he took that aluminum bat and went to the back of the cage behind the catcher and the umpire, and he began beating the cage. I mean, beating the cage. And he's sort of, you know, fair-complected, so he's bright red, sweaty, beating the cage, and cursing how that wasn't a strike. I thought to myself, as I told them, I don't think he's ready to be a deacon yet. It's a softball game. Have you seen the news recently? A seven-year-old t-ball game. Thirteen-year-old umpire. And the parents of the seven-year-olds erupt in anger and there's a fist fight that breaks out. People are being sucker punched at a seven-year-old t-ball game. This is the World Championship, the World Series. Why? Why are people so angry that they erupt over a seven-year-old t-ball game? You've seen the parents, right, in the soccer fields, and you maybe even found yourself getting a little upset or angry. Meekness is void of anger. So we know what meekness is not. Meekness is not jealous. Look at what they have. Look at what they can do. Look what they were blessed with. Look how handsome he is. Look at their job. Look at their kids. Isn't that the perfect family? Did you see that vehicle? Meekness is not jealous. Meekness does not envy. Envy is seeing what someone else has and you want it. 
but they've got it. So meekness is not jealous. And we all find ourselves at different times for different reasons, maybe a little jealous or envious. But knowing that Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth, whatever that means, which we'll find out, we should want it. We should want it for the blessing in our lives, yes. But we should want it so that we can live it out and God receives glory in this world because our light shines because He has brought about something in our spirits that is seen by other people. Meekness is not jealous. Meekness gives up control. There's the big one. There's probably the most difficult to give up control. I don't care who you are. Until the Lord intervenes in your life in a mighty way and you surrender yourself to Him in the area, we all try to take control in different areas of our lives. We feel like we want to do it. We want to be in charge. This is what we want the outcome to be. And if it's going to get done, I've got to do it. Look at everybody. Look at what they've got. Look how evil they are. Look what they're doing and look what they have and look what's happening. I've got to do something. Trust in the Lord, says David. Which implies that you give up control. That you don't have control. We all try to control so many circumstances in our lives. I'm going to control this relationship. I'm going to manipulate to get her or him to do what I want him or her to do in this situation. I I want to feel a certain way about a certain thing, and so I'm going to manipulate people to... Give me what I want. To be in control is not meekness. Because being in control is not trusting the Lord. It is just that simple. I want this job. I want this promotion. I want this relationship. I love this person. I want that car. I want this house. I want, I want, I want this for my life. And the only way that I'm going to get it is if I make it happen. That's not meekness. It is not meekness. Meekness gives up control. So that's what meekness is not as well. Meekness is not self-centered. 
meekness delights in the Lord. First and foremost, we can enjoy the desires of our hearts. Why? Because who gives them to us? Who? The Lord, God. He gives us the desires of our hearts. And so if it comes from God, it is good. But we know the hand from which it has come in our lives. And it's God. And therefore we can enjoy it. But our focus is not self-centered. And you know how self-centered we are. I want this. I want that. It's about me. I, I think of Jack Myers and his John 3.30 passage. If he quotes Jesus regarding John the Baptist. Where John the Baptist says, I must become less. And Jesus must become greater. And that has really spoke to Jack Myers through the years to say, you know, it's not about me. It's really not about me. It's about the Lord having more reign in my life. Not about control. It's not self-centered. There's no meekness in your life if it's all about you, if it's self-centered what I want to achieve, what I want to accomplish, what I want to do, what I have, what I don't have. Look what I'm going through. It's all about me. Everything revolves around me. I heard an individual say as they were crying on Facebook posts that they had finally discovered that they were enough. Simply to love themselves first was the most important thing. And I mean... This person was a basket case as they were crying and mascara was running down their face and you're feeling sorry. I have finally learned that the most important thing for me in my life is to accept myself and love myself first. No, you're wrong still. The thing that's most important is to love God first. Because if you love God first, then you can love yourself the way God wants you to love yourself. But anything short of that, putting yourself first, will skew everything. You'll be like the people of Matthew chapter 6 that do worry about everything. Their lives, what they're going to eat, what they're going to wear, what they're going to do in life. And Jesus says, don't be like them. Your Father loves you. He says, you have no control whatsoever. Remember the part in Matthew 6 where Jesus says, Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Any of us here can add a single hour to our lives? I know the answer is no. You know in Luke chapter 12 what Jesus says in addition to that? Since you can't do this simple thing, why do you worry about everything else? And then all through that text of comparison... God knows what you'll need. He knows all that you need. And He's going to give you all that you need. But you have to come before Him first. And put Him first in everything. So meekness is not self-centered in any way. Meekness. Completely focused on the Lord. And delighting in who the Lord is. Meekness does not retaliate. See, when we want to be in control, we retaliate. 
So I've heard you've been talking about me. And it's not been good. I'm going to strike back. The text said, let God vindicate you in his own time. Think about that. Meekness doesn't retaliate. The world retaliates. Pagans retaliate. But the people of God, Christians, we don't retaliate. This verse checks us. Why will I strike out? Because I want to be in control. I want payback. I want something that I don't have. And so I can strike back. They deserve it. This says, no, you don't. You take your hands off of it. Take your hands off of it. You can't even add a single hour to your life. So you think you can control this situation? Let go and be passively humble before God who will vindicate you in His time. Who's in control? You? No. Who's really in sovereign control and reign of all things? God. If God says through His Son, Jesus Christ, the hairs on your head are numbered. Not to be funny, not to make people laugh because, oh, well, he don't have much hair. That's what we do with it. But there's a serious note. There's a spiritual depth to what Jesus is saying. The hairs on your head are numbered because God knows you to that degree, cares for you, and is with you. He knows you, and you're more important to Him than any bird or birds. And not even one of them falls to the ground that God doesn't care for or forgets. Let the Lord control your life. Let the Lord vindicate you. Well, God, you're too slow. You're not moving fast enough. Look at them. They think they got away with it. Do something. Save my good name. Do something, Lord. Vindicate me. David says, speaking for God, the Lord will vindicate you in his own time and his own way. And what you've got to do is get yourself in a place with the Lord that that's good enough for you. And once it becomes good enough for you, you start to lay down in it and treasure it for what it is because it is empowering. Meekness does not retaliate. So that's what meekness is not. But what is meekness? Verse 7 on, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes, refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Why? Because anger leads to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed. But those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. And there's a little bit of 
Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. The word here for land could be used for earth as well. Hope in the Lord, they will inherit the land a little while, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. And here it is. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. Matthew 5, 5, and right here, Psalm 37, verse 11. So those few verses... What is meekness? Because that's what we want. Here's the first five. Meekness is a calm spirit. Be still before the Lord. With everything that's going on, your wayward child, your health situation, the relationships falling apart. Will my job be there next week? What's going to happen? In the areas of your life. This person's mean to me. The car broke down. Mortgage is coming up. I'm going to be stressed to make it. Insurance bills coming due for medical expenses. Can you just, instead of falling apart, getting angry about it, frustrated, anxious, worrying, whatever word we want to use that fits, can you just be still before the Lord? For your Lord's in control. When you look at those things that you're going through, and you look back, and maybe it just happened last week, or maybe it'll happen tomorrow, and you find yourself striking out, I want you to remember I'm going to be still. I'm going to quit thinking. I'm going to quit trying to do. Now, I know that God's given us a brain. And I know He's given us knowledge and He's given us wisdom. And I know there's things that we are supposed to do, the Beatitudes. But there is a time to simply get yourself out of the picture and humble yourself and be still before the Lord. That's a part of meekness. Be calm. Rest in the Lord. Don't resist. Rest. Next, meekness is entrusting. Meekness waits patiently. You see, whenever you entrust yourself to the Lord, you're, you're entrusting your cause to the Lord. Whatever it is, you know that you're not smart enough, you're not witty enough, you don't have enough resources. You can't make anything happen. You are powerless in this world. God is working out His will in your life, whether it's this church, individual lives, us as families. We simply go to that place where we are still before the Lord. We wait on the Lord. And we patiently wait. And we give it to God. Cast... 
your cares on the Lord. Right? Take the burden off of yourself because it's wrong that the burden is there. You can't make her love you more. You can't make him be kinder to you. You can't make your children what you want them to be. They've got their own personalities. I was telling our class this morning, my daughter, I just sort of, you know, tongue in cheek, wanted to live long enough to see her raise her kids. Because my daughter, Ashley, you know, she's a strong will, take it up, do it, she can fix, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. This is the way you need to do these things. Get out of the way, I'll do it. She's putting up a fence with one hand and got a hole in the other. She's that kind of person. I was like, you should have done this with Jabez, and you should have done that with me. You shouldn't let me have this. You should have stopped me from doing that. And it's like, now she's got three boys. And their personalities are different. And I was telling the class this morning, the three-and-a-half-year-old has the personality of a story I once heard of a father who was trying to make his son sit down, and his son wouldn't. He kept standing up and his, sit down, and he wouldn't. Finally, the father grabbed him by the shoulders and set him down. And the son looked up at his father and said, Inside, I'm still standing. (laughs) That's Elias, the three-and-a-half-year-old. Can't say the word dummy. Don't call people dummy. He's in the back seat. We're driving to uh, Culver's to get something to eat. Dummy, dummy, dummy. I'm not calling anybody dummy. I'm just saying dummy. And I was like, Lord, you have given me a desire of my heart that I have prayed for since my daughter was in middle school. And I get to say to her, you got to stop that. You can't let him do that. Why, why you, what, this is out of control. Stop him. She can't. Victory in Jesus, people. That's all I'm saying. Victory in Jesus. But she can entrust him to the Lord. And quit trying to fix him or or fix Caleb or fix Luke or fix anything. We try to fix everything. I don't, I don't want you trying to fix things in my life. And I know it's not a good thing if you try to fix things in your life because you're not good at it. God is. God is good at it. You're horrible at it. And the more you try to fix, the worse it becomes. You just run, 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 chase, chase, chase. And God says, you know what? When you're still before me, I know everything you need. I know everything you need. I'm going to give it to you. When you put me first, seek me. Be still, wait patiently. I'm going to give it to you. You're not going to have to do anything. We like to hear that. Because there is something in our fleshly nature. We've got to do something. We've got to do something. Those kids don't like my daughter in high school. I've got to have more people in the house have slumber parties and get a pool so they can swim in it so they'll like my daughter. Or my son. Or whatever it is. We just in our flesh. We've got to do something. Heard of a man recently in this congregation. A little tight on funds. 
And his wife called him and said, Hey, I've been going through all these books in the basement. You got boxes of books. And he had been going through them, but there was three more boxes found. And, hey, why don't you go through these? And he finally did. And those boxes had been in the basement over 13 years, boxed and taped up from the move. Opened up one of the last three remaining boxes, grabbed out a book, you know, looking at it, what he was maybe looking at, opened it up, and there was an envelope. Opened up the envelope. 100, 200, 300, 400, 500, 600, 700, 800, 900, 1,000 dollars. The man will tell you, I know where my money's at. Be still and wait on the Lord. And he will vindicate you. He will take care of you. Meekness is entrusting your cause to God. And what is your cause? To live for him who died for you. Meekness looks to God for all things. David says hopes in the Lord the reality is church my brothers and sisters you are my family the only hope you I have is in the Lord nothing else I would rather have the Lord on my side surrounding me, protecting me with his spirit and angels. And a million dollars in my banking account. I mean it. Would you rather have the financial security or God on your side? If you answer in your heart, God's good, but I'd just soon have both. I'm not asking that. Our only hope is in the Lord. You get it, you'll surely spend it. You'll get it, it'll be gone. You get it, you may hold on to it, but you'll die. David says, meekness looks to God for all things because meekness hopes in the Lord. Meekness rests in God. Trusting that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, we always quote Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you to prosper you. You know, we do that usually at high school senior like recognitions of graduations. God has a plan for your life and so many of us don't live as though God has a plan and purpose for our life and we don't believe that His plan and purpose is the best plan and purpose for our lives. Because if we did, we would rest in it. No matter what it is. 
We would rest in it. And I'm telling you, rest in God's plan and purpose. Believe, accept, acknowledge in your spirit. God has a plan and a purpose for my life and it's real. And whatever comes, good or bad, I'm going to be a life lived and surrender to Him. And I'm going to rest in God. That's meekness. Meekness enjoys life. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. What Jesus is saying, what David is saying to the Israelites, whenever you are waiting, trusting, delighting, looking to, calm, in the Lord, there is the spiritual blessing that comes from that disposition of your spirit that allows you to enjoy everything in this life. While others who don't have that disposition hardly enjoy anything. They don't stop and enjoy the good things in life because they can't. They're running and chasing after the next thing to grab hold of. But we don't. Because we know in God's time He gives me what He wants as He molds and shapes my life to bring Him glory. Amen? And so we can enjoy mowing the grass. We can enjoy the rain. We can enjoy the rain. Let's say it like we believe it. I have no idea why God brings certain things in our lives at certain times, things that we do, things that we like, but I believe that He does it. Why does He give Dave Hopkins such a passion for hunting? Hunting bear. Who goes out and hunts bear? Or the Grinsterns, the great elk hunters, the Jeremiah Johnsons in the church. Or the Jack Myers, who is the fisherman of fishermen. Or the golfers in the church. The great golfers in this church. And you can just go on and on and on with the different things that's unique. God put it in my heart. Three years ago, I'm going to do these Olympic triathlons. Just a couple of years. And then this year, it was like, I'm going to do a half Ironman. And so I started training last fall. And I just want to tell you how this relates to this text. Because since last fall, getting up at 5 a.m. to go to the East Coweta High School pool during the wintertime to swim was not really a lot of fun. But I started swimming, started running outside, started doing my bike on the indoor trainer. But the whole time it was like, Lord, I don't know why you've given me a desire to want to do this, but now I want to do it. But I want to do it with you. Because I know that no matter what we like, it has little use in this life, really. But spirituality has gained for the life to come and this life. But I started praying, Lord, on this swim, this 1.2-mile swim, enter the water at 7.05 a.m. to the horn, 
waves of 200 people. I know how chaotic it gets, and there's always being kicked, being hit, being banged into. And on this one, because everybody was sort of equally matched, the whole 1.2 miles, there was a lot of banging. And you'd have to pull up and catch your sighting and get a little bit of breath and go. Three people in Wisconsin doing the same type of race drowned. So it's no joke. Lord, this is what I would like to do. I would like to do the half Ironman under seven hours. This swim's a big part of it. So I swam, swam, and swam. And the fastest I ever did in the pool was right about 40 minutes, 41 minutes. So when you know you get out there in the lake, you can't see anything because Thornapple River, even between the dam, it's like swimming in mud. And I'd ask the Lord in the fall and through the winter, please make it a beautiful day. It rained the whole time. The whole time. Please, Lord, when I get in that water, you control the currents of the ocean. Oh, Lord, let me get behind somebody and draft off of them. Don't let me get kicked so hard that my goggles... Just be with me, Lord. And on that bike, Lord, let me ride and let me catch the wind and let everything work out just great. And I'm hoping for three hours and 45 minutes. If I can do three hours and 45 minutes, you can't really train in Michigan because it's not summer yet. It's just so cold and rainy. And, oh, Lord, the run, the 13-point-mile run... Give me some strength after the 56-mile bike ride to run 13.1 miles. Just, just give it to me. Make me be able to do it. But if you don't, you don't. But that's what I'm praying for. Well, it ended up, I completed in 6 hours, 2 minutes, and 26 seconds. And because it was raining so hard, which I didn't think that was like, Lord, that's not an answer to my prayer. But if it would have been hot and muggy and 90 degrees, I'd never made it. Now, I don't care what it is in life. I know spiritual is what's most important. But most people live in their golfing, they're going out to dinner, they're fishing, they're hunting, their hobbies. And meekness involves every area of your life being submitted to the control of God. Whether it is in the spiritual realm, which is most important, or the things that you're doing. I've heard Jack Myers say that he used to pray, Lord, I want your blessing on my outing as I go fishing. Lord, I've heard people pray that I know that golf. Lord, don't let me cut the ball. Let my drive be straight. Isn't that what we do in all of our lives? So no matter what you do, what's most important is giving yourself to the Lord so that you can enjoy the thing in this life that God blesses you to do. If it's to raise and help with your grandchildren, God bless you. Have fun, but look to the Lord and pray to Him in that. Whatever it is. Look at this. Numbers 12.3. And I know I've got to wrap up because I've went over a little bit, but this is important. No, or no, Moses is called the most meek man 
of all the people on the face of the earth. Why is that? The story is, Miriam, his sister, and Aaron, his brother, are angry at him because he's taken a Cushite wife, an Ethiopian. They don't like her. There's some issues with race. She's not what they think she should be. And they begin to speak evil of their brother Moses. And the text says, God heard this. And God calls Miriam and Aaron and Moses out to the tent of meeting, comes down in a cloud and says, Do I not speak to my prophets and prophetesses through visions and dreams? Yes, I do. Aaron, high priest, Miriam, prophetess. But I speak to Moses differently. I speak to Moses face to face. And you, Miriam, and you, Aaron, have done wrong. And now Moses knows what you've done behind his back. And God ascends in the cloud, and Miriam has leprosy. And there Moses, Miriam, and Aaron stand, brothers and sister. And Aaron says, Oh, Moses, please help us. Please forgive us. We didn't mean it. You know what Moses does? He doesn't retaliate. Moses prayed, Please, God, Heal my sister, Miriam. And that's all in the context of saying Moses was the meekest man on the face of the earth. Why was he meek? Textually, he didn't retaliate. Forgiveness seems to be implied and he prays to God, heal her. Meekness is not defensive. It doesn't have to take up for itself. Meekness does not retaliate. Here's Jesus, and we're going to wrap up. Jesus committed no sin, and no deceit was found in His mouth. When they hurled their insults at Him, He did not retaliate. When He suffered, He made no threats. Instead, He entrusted Himself to Him who judges justly. God is the judge. Judge of all things, the perfect scorekeeper. He didn't retaliate, but he entrusted himself. Meekness is an absorbent disposition. That's what I want you to have a picture of, of the big old heavy punching bag. You ever hit a punching bag? I mean a big one. I mean, you got to really hold your fist tight or it'll break your wrist. But you hit a punching bag, it moves the bag just a little, but the bag takes it. The bag takes it. You hit it, the bag takes it. And I'm not saying that we're punching bags in the sense that we just let people walk all over us. But what I am saying is the disposition of having an absorbent spirit is, oh, I lost someone that I loved. My wife, my child died. I know it's not easy. It's a hit. And it's a hit to your spirit. But you take it. You absorb it. I lost the job of all jobs. It's a hit. 
But you take it. You absorb it. Why? Because you're trusting in the Lord. God's in control. You don't fall apart. Can you imagine if you were a piece of glass or if you were something of that nature and you take a hit? It's going to crack and break you all to pieces. But this punching bag, this absorbent disposition to take whatever comes because you're trusting the Lord. Meekness is absorbent disposition. Jesus did not retaliate. And last, meekness is handing your cause over to God rather than defending yourself. You don't have to defend yourself. You don't have to prove yourself right. God will do it. Jesus entrusted himself on the cross and God vindicated him in his own time and in his own way. That's what meekness is not and this is what meekness is. Ultimately, meekness comes down to giving God absolute control of your lives and surrendering to him with the attitude that whatever comes, God has got this, and God is doing something through this. I may not like it. I may not understand it. But I'm not going to fall apart. I'll absorb it, and I'll trust the Lord. Today, I hope if you don't find these characteristics of meekness in you, that you will find a time to be still before the Lord and ask Him to help you to develop this disposition of spirit. Father in heaven, help us all to grow in meekness. We just ask you, Lord, that we would let go of all control, trust you, knowing that you love us and that you'll work it all to our good. It is in Jesus' name that we pray and that we give thanks. And together we say, Amen. Let's stand together as we get ready to close out service with a couple of songs.